you know, before I prided myself on the title of being the boss, like the CEO, the role of CEO is glamorized. So I get it now. Oh my God. It's glamorized, yet it's the most unglamorous. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Welcome to the iFund Women Show, where we are talking to one entrepreneur about one huge problem in her business, and we are going to help her solve it. I'm your host, Karen Kahn. My team and I founded iFund Women to help female entrepreneurs get access to the capital, the expert coaching, and the lucrative connections all designed to grow our ideas into profitable, sustainable businesses. Let's do this. Hello, iFund Women Land. What is going on? So excited to have Nicole Kane here in the studio. Nicole is a phenom. She is a spectacular goddess in the world of femme care and feminine health and wellness. And we know each other. And I know that most of you listening to this pod also know Nicole because she's kind of famous. She's entrepreneur famous for sure. And Nicole, welcome. So, so, so stoked to have you here. So thanks for taking the time. I'm super excited. I was super excited with my first coaching session with you back in February, I think, or January. So super excited. (laughs) Good. So Nicole, tell everybody who you are, tell us about your business, and tell us about the problem you want us to help you think through today on the pod. Okay. So my name is Nicole Kane. My business is My Happy Flow. We are a feminine wellness brand changing the relationship that women have with their periods. And we have a plant-based supplement that supports hormonal balance as well as alleviates heavy bleeding, bloating, cramping, and mood swings for a happier, healthier time of the month. So Uh, we're talking a better period and it's all natural. So you don't get the side effects that you would get with like hormonal birth control or painkillers. We're super excited about this journey. Oh my gosh. So I have like a thousand questions about the product. I'm only going to ask one because okay. this is not what we're here to talk about today, but you're a D2C brand. It's supplements, right? It's yes, a supplement. Absolutely. So tell me when I take it. Do I take it every day or do I take yes. it just when I'm getting my so period? Give, that's give a good the, question yeah. because when we first launched, we didn't know that a lot of people thought they just took it when their period came. So the cramps were already there and they were taking it like a Midol. And we were like, no, this is like a daily vitamin that you you take. So the ingredients are working every day. Let's just say this, most period-related complications are due to hormonal imbalances as well as micronutrient deficiencies. So we're taking all those different vitamins and nutrients that you may not be getting from your everyday diet because you're an entrepreneur and you're only eating one time a day or you're a mom and you're balancing all the things. So you're just eating whatever when you can. We're replenishing your body with those nutrients. And as a result, your period is like, oh, I'm happy again. And when it comes, you don't get the normal pain, mood swings, lack of energy that you normally would get. That is Mm -hmm. so innovative. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, really, I have not heard that before. And I'm being sincere. Yeah. I thought that this was something that you took in and around your period to alleviate cramps, similar to a all, you know, right, but I knew absolutely. it was holistic. I didn't think it was a over-the-counter painkiller. But if I'm hearing you correctly, this is a supplement I would take every day mm-hmm. that 
replaces the nutrients that I'm missing because I'm eating literally pizza or tacos or a corn muffin every day for breakfast, which is legitimately my diet. <laughs> but bottom line is I'm not getting the right nutrients that I need to correct my hormonal imbalance, which rears its ugly head when Aunt Flo comes to town. Absolutely. Your period serves as your monthly report card into your overall health. It's literally a monthly report card. It's like having a free hormone test. <laughs> and 80% of women are living with hormonal imbalances that they don't even realize. So these hormonal imbalances are what are manifesting into the heavy, painful periods. There's so many different paths that led me here because I used to have a painful period. But the backstory is that my mom passed at the age of 41, my father at the age of 42. So I had very early deaths in my family. I have no living grandparents. And so it was almost like there was a generational health curse. And for me, when I turned 35, for people who don't know, I used to be a, a really big celebrity gossip blogger. <laughs> and I used to live a very, like I was like the black woman version of Perez Hilton, but a little nicer. Like I had all the scoop. A lot nicer. <laughs> yeah. And a lot prettier, if I, if I might add. And so I lived a very, you can imagine being a gossip blogger, you're you're chasing celebrity news, celebrities, you're in parties with celebrities all the time. And just living a lifestyle that's very exhausting and taxing and not very healthy. And so when I was around the age of 35, my period disappeared. And I was getting close to the age my mom passed away. And I was like, I need to know, how can I be healthier? And how can I prevent myself from getting her breast cancer? So I went to a holistic wow. doctor, which I didn't know was a holistic doctor at the time. And she did blood work on me. And I was deficient in every vitamin out there. And I was severely dehydrated. They couldn't even take my heart rate. They were like, you know, if you keep this up, I'm basically repeating a cycle. I may right. not live long. And so to heal me back to health, I'm used to my uh, family being on prescription drugs for a lifetime. But she gave me a vitamin blend. Because you're American. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. America. Absolutely. She gave me a vitamin blend that... After a few days of taking it, I was alive again. And it was the first time that someone had gave me vitamins to heal. So I started digging mm -hmm. in all these different books, You Are What You Eat, and figuring out how you can heal through whole foods and vitamins. And I became a vitamin junkie, just a vitamin nerd. If someone tells me they have migraines, I'm probably going to say, oh, you probably have a, a magnesium deficiency. If you have a pain in your shoulder, potassium. It's science. And... You've educated yourself because of a problem that you faced in your own family. Absolutely. I ended up learning how, like, I'm trying to figure out how can I not get breast cancer, and I learned estrogen's role in breast cancer. Estrogen feeds breast cancer, it tumors, it also feeds fibroids. And so I learned what plant-based compounds we could take to lower our estrogen levels, as well as what vitamins and nutrients raises our progesterone levels so that it's more of a balance. And that's how I came up with the ingredients that ultimately went in my happy flow. Nicole, <laughs> mic drop, seriously. <laughs> I'm so glad that we just took space before the coaching call to really just solidify your domain expertise in this space. And I hope that everyone, I am definitely going to go on your site and subscribe and get <laughs> the vitamins. You. Because, you know, while I am reaching an age where I still have my period, but it's not like the biggest part of my life. I'm almost 50. Mm -hmm. Proud to say it. 
looking amazing. But they actually are painful. But what I took from you is that, yes, this is going to be extremely helpful for my period, but also just my women's health in general, mm -hmm. my physical health in general. Absolutely. We just did a post-purchase survey of our customers, and that's why I like being a DTC brand right now, because you have direct access to your customers. Absolutely. So poll them, continue to poll them, and 90% saw little to no cramping within the first month of taking My Happy Flow. I think it was over 80% uh, better moods and over 70% less bloating and, wow. and more energy. So. I really love that information. Also, we polled them on the effects of their period on their life. And over 80%, it affected their mental health. It was affecting Absolutely. their job performance. Absolutely. Intimacy. God, preach. God, body preach. image. Yes. And so for us, it's about helping women take their lives back. We don't want your life to be disrupted by this time of the month, every month. Nicole, how long has the product been on the shelf, so to speak? Honestly, we launched in September. I came up with the idea last March. So it moved pretty quickly. I came up with the idea. We ordered samples. We started surveying our audience on their period. And then we went in pre-order in June. And by September, we were on sale. Got it. And so September 2021 was like full on launch. Yes. By the way, your website is stunning. Thank you. Like, I, let me tell you, so gorgeous. guys, if you are listening to this, I figured out that website in a weekend. <laughs> I figured out, I bought a template and I figured it out. <laughs> Nicole, are you a web developer and engineer by training? Not at all. And you have a dope website. Like your website is gorgeous. <laughs> it's like D to C premium. But I want to say you guys were a big part of us launching because we won a uh, grant, the Neutrogena grant. And we felt like, oh, my gosh, we need to get our website together. We need to get on Shopify. We need to get this website together before they announce the grant. And then we need to launch some pre-orders. Like, we need to see what the interest is. So... It's almost like there was a brush for time before you announced us so that we could look great. I love that story. I love it because what the Neutrogena brand people saw in your idea and in your concept was brilliance. And they were gosh darn right because all you needed was that little bit of capital and the, really the push yeah. to say like, all right, people believe in this idea. Neutrogena is owned by Johnson & Johnson, who is one of the biggest CPG companies in the world and pharma companies in the world. When they saw you, I'm curious, like when they plucked you out, your idea, what was that feeling like? For me, I mean, you guys really just launched us into the stratosphere because we took that money and put it towards our first 5,000 bottles. It was like, okay, it's game time. I think it would have took us so much longer to launch if we did not get that Neutrogena grant. It might have took us more than a year. We might not have been launched now. Do you think it's because of the money? Because I know you're a successful entrepreneur. For those who don't know, Nicole ran a media empire and exited for a bunch of money. So it's not like she's a starving artist here. We don't count other people's money, but the reality is you're a successful entrepreneur multiple times over. So my question to you is, do you think it was the money or just actually the vote of confidence and the hurry up and get going and the momentum that was like, all right, we're doing it. It was both, but the I think you guys picking us as one of the winners was the confidence. Like I had a lot of imposter syndrome 
when I launched this. I don't have doctor in front of my name. I didn't go to school for naturopathy or anything like that. We were seen for the first time. And I was like, oh, it's game time. And so, yeah, it was the confidence that it gave us. Okay. It's actually like a really good segue into the problem that we want to speak through today. Nicole, tell us what problem we want to talk through today. And just to be clear, we are not going to (laughs) solve this problem in one session. This is the continuation of many conversations that we've had in Nicole's private coaching sessions. But Nicole, what do we want to talk about today? Well, I want to raise money this year. I do. I want to uh, dedicate my time full time to my happy flow. And so it's like a two part question. One, do I need a co-founder to be attractive to investors? And then two, I'm having a hard time figuring out what to focus on as I raise, because there is like, do I focus on getting our revenue up? Do I focus on who is my board of advisors or do I focus on building out my team? (laughs) Really the problem that we're going to think through today is the raising capital problem. Mm -hmm. And within that, sort of the first step of it is determining whether or not you need a co-founder. So raising capital is the number one problem that all entrepreneurs, regardless of your gender, face. Mm -hmm. The number two hot topic, biggest problem that we work on at iFund Women with our entrepreneurs is our co-founder problems. Either people have them and it's bad news bears, or they don't have one, they're solopreneurs, and they are struggling to, just like you said, raise the money, run the business, do all the things. Because it's, I don't want to say it's impossible as a solo founder, but it's exponentially harder to do all the things and grow and scale. And the reality is your brand is ready. It's scaling already. Mm -hmm. Your sales have gone up and up and up and up. You're ready to raise venture capital for sure. The question becomes, like, how can you do that and continue to drive the growth in the business? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So it's future state, okay? But I want to ask you some questions about Mm -hmm. your business, your superpowers, your zone of genius to just, number one, identify whether a true co-founder is even necessary, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. So we've determined your industry. So you're in, you're a D2C brand in the wellness space. You are selling vitamins, supplements, natural products. So over-the-counter, for to be sort of technical, it's OTC, over-the-counter supplements. So if you go into the CVS or the Dwayne Reed or the Target, the Walmart, either now or eventually, we are going to see My Happy Flow, and you can buy them there. Is that accurate? For yes, now, it's on absolutely. your website. Yes. So, But that's the goal. Yes, that is the goal. As many women at hands as I can get this in as possible. The severity of period pain is so serious that Spain just wants to reform to give women three days off a month for menstrual leave. So this is how serious period pain is, you know, amongst women. Okay, so you're solving a massive systemic problem for Mm -hmm. women's health. Mm -hmm. And your goal is to get your product in the hands of as many women as humanly possible. Absolutely. Beautiful. When we think about the business and where you think you want to get to from an exit or an IPO perspective, Mm -hmm. and not everybody wants to be a 
CEO of a public company. Mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> I want to exit at some yeah. point. Yeah. And so understanding where you want to go or the, what the end game is for you. Like, yes, you want to help women. That's very clear. And your purpose and your mission is so abundantly clear and it's so personal to you. Mm-hmm. And that is like unquestionable. It's not like you're here to like make a buck. Right. Right. You're here to help women solve problems and help women not face the reality of our parents and our parents' generation of not understanding their health, not having any information, and dying way too young. So from a business perspective, what would be your potential end game? Like in 10 years, if you were at this place, what would you want that place to be? I definitely want to exit. And I say this because I've exited one company before, but I knew nothing about acquisitions. I didn't even know what it was and what it meant. (laughs) No one was having those conversations with me and what my options were outside of that acquisition. And saying that you want to eventually sell your company doesn't mean that you're not in it to win it. It just means you actually want exponentially more women to have access to the product. And by being bought by, let's just call it a Johnson & Johnson or a Unilever makes it so that globally women will have access to your product. We're talking about 1.5 billion women, and these are just numbers off the top. I'm sure it's probably even more women than men in the world. We're just going to call it 1.5 billion women around the world that you want to have access to your product because it's going to help their health. And in order to do that, ultimately, you are going to either have to sell to a huge CPG conglomerate, which is phenomenal, or go public. But I actually think that like selling to a CPG company that can take you global in all the markets, there's a reason I'm asking you all these questions and it's all going to kind of be reverse engineered into the answer of whether you need a co-founder or not. Okay. Okay. So what is your background and zone of genius? And I ask this in the sense of, are you the marketer? Are you the ideas person? Are you the deal maker? Are you the scientist? What's your zone of genius? Are you the leader, the visionary? Oh my gosh. So me getting my company acquired (laughs) really shed light on that because after my company was acquired, I realized I was a creative. I'm a visionary. I love ideas. But when my company was acquired, I ended up being more operational, doing hiring, strategy, and things that were outside of my zone of genius, but needed to be done to grow the brand. And one day I woke up and I'm like, I'm not doing anything that I love anymore. I'm not spending my day doing an ounce of anything that I love. So for me, it's like you said, marketing, the visionary, the ideas person. My sister absolutely thinks I'm a marketing genius. Thank you, sister. I would probably need someone to fill in the holes operational wise. The deal maker, the the numbers person that's looking at the numbers every day and really analyzing the data and help that's gonna why well, I can still create. Yep. And connect logistics. With my, yep. What about absolutely. manufacturing and logistics? Yeah, well, supply chain and those type of things. Yeah, supply chain. Those are things that are fun to me. <laughs> it's not my zone of genius, but I do it because we have to do everything in the beginning. So here's what I heard you say. You're the visionary, you're the creative, you're the marketer, and you're a leader. So you're the CEO, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Although, let me ask you this. Do you like leading the company? Would you rather somebody else do it? I would rather someone else do that. Oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm getting it. You're so baby. I get it. 
Believe me. I get yes. it. I love iPhone women and I want to work here till like um, six feet under. Do I want to be like the person solely responsible at the top? Not every day. I'm cool with it for now, but there's lots of days yeah. where I'm like, can someone else be the responsible one? And I can be the chief innovation officer. What's so great about this session is you're so new in your journey. You're less than a year that you can actually make this stuff happen. Absolutely. And PS, yeah. you don't need a co-founder. Here's why. What you need is a chief operating officer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You need somebody who is the ops person, the logistics. You don't need a marketer for now. You are the marketing brain. You're the creative brain. You're the visionary. You might need a CEO. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Now that I've been through an acquisition before, yes. You know, before I prided myself on the title of being the boss, like the CEO, the role of CEO is glamorized. So I get oh. it now. <laughs> oh my God. It's glamorized, yet it's the most unglamorous. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. From a quote unquote technical perspective, you absolutely do not need to bring on a co-founder mm-hmm. in the technical sense. Mm-hmm. And as we all know or might surmise, co-founder, the title and the relationship is very complicated. And we've all had varying degrees of success and failures with different co-founders in our lives. And when I say us and our, I'm talking about mm-hmm. the iPhone women community, our listeners, you, the collective we. And a lot of times, I mean, I'm telling you, the two biggest things we coach on are number one, I need funding. Mm-hmm. And number two, what do I do about my co-founders? Truly. Mm. And so I would say, if you were a tech company, a SaaS company, and you are the visionary and the ideas person, but you're, you're not an engineer, I would say, Nicole, you need to get yourself a technical co-founder. And by the way, Mixed gender co-founder teams perform better. There are multiple studies, including one from the Harvard Kennedy School that was widely published about how when you have mixed gender co-founder teams, you just make more sales. You do better on the bottom line. So I would say to you, Nicole, you're running a SaaS company. You have a brilliant idea. If Nicole was starting a software company and she had this dope idea and it actually like had product market fit and it was taking off, She needs a technical co-founder. And I would say, go find a guy, not because guys can raise more money. That's not it at all. It's because mixed gender co-founder teams just perform better. Our brains are functionally built differently. The Mm -hmm. synapses Mm -hmm. of a woman's brain are longer than a man's, which means that we are more thoughtful, more strategic. We think about things longer, which can be good and can be bad. We can overthink things. You know, there's good and bad to everything. Whereas for men, functionally, mm-hmm. with their brains, they're quicker to make decisions, quicker to be confident. Women, we can think about things a little much. But then on the plus side, women are definitely more strategic, more planful. And when women decide to jump into the entrepreneurship pool, we are more successful on a dollar-per-dollar dollar basis. So what I would say, if you were a non-technical founder of a tech company, I would say, Nicole, go out and find yourself a technical co-founder and make it someone who is not your gender. So you have a nice balance and off you go. 
But that's not what we're saying. Right. We are saying that you are the founder of a women's healthcare product and brand. Mm-hmm. And you don't need heavy tech. Your product is not a technical product. Your product is a, is a nutritional product. Right. And you've made the product. And that's not to say you're not going to have other products in the line down the road. So to me, in order to get to the promised land of 10 or 15 years from now selling or five, we don't know. Your sales could be unbelievable and rocket ship. You need people that are amazing at operations, amazing at data and analytics, and great at getting you into the big retailers. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And those people you can hire. So this comes to the place where we need to talk through if you're not going to bring them on as co-founders for a really meaningful amount of equity, you're bringing these people on as employees, but you need specific skill sets. So you need someone who can get your product into Target, Walmart, wherever else, CVS, Walgreens, etc. I've found a contractor that does that. Actually, she used to be the COO of another company that's in different stores, but now she's contracts herself to be, I guess, almost like the, it's, it's called retail management. So she gets your business prepped for retail. I guess she does the outreach to the retailers and they, and then she manages the relationship after you've been brought on board to the retailers. We haven't started our work yet because she came kind of as a bundle deal with the supply chain manager. And I'm like, oh, cool, bet. That's like, cool. Yeah. yeah. But I at least I know for the future, who I could turn to for that. Great. I do have a question about COO because it is a part of the question I had about this podcast. Because when I talked to you during our other coaching session, you said a certain percent of iFund women was owned by your employees. Oh, yeah, most of it. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, I'm thinking right now, with no funding, I feel like a lot of the talent I'm bringing on board, if they're not contractors, are very junior level. Just people that have been where I'm trying to go or have worked yes, with brands that's right. that are where I'm trying to go. So yep. I guess, how do I make it lucrative enough for them to want to come over and work with my happy flow so that we can have that rock star COO or rock star, I think you said data analyst or even a retail manager. Yep. So herein lies the problem. Do you feel in your heart that you want a co-founder? Oh, um, not after I launched My Happy Flow. Originally, I had asked a friend if she wanted to be a part of this amazing idea I had. I knew what the future was for My Happy Flow, and I wanted a friend to come along for the ride. I, like, romanticized us being on the covers of magazines together. I knew I didn't want to be a solo founder. I had launched two other businesses that were successful. Both of them had acquisition offers, so I was, like, two for two. And then here I go launching another brand. I knew how much work it took and how much of my life I sacrificed. I'm a single woman, no kids, not not married, because I've been in the weeds of building businesses all these years. So to me, having someone come in and help me was just ideal. But I think I had never had a co-founder before, so I didn't know logistically what we needed to work out to even begin. Operational agreements and who's putting in what, who's equity. 
How much money yes. are we both putting in? How much sweat That's equity? Right. And so I think it became a challenge when we realized this business was a little bit more expensive than we thought. Like this isn't a drop shipping business where our customers order, it's a custom formula. So we have to buy the inventory up front and that can be costly as well as other things like website and that goes into running a business. So it became a situation where I was kind of putting up the finances and taking out the lines of credit and my credit was taking a hit and the percentages didn't make sense anymore. It wasn't equitable. Yeah, it wasn't equitable. And so it's unfortunate because I lost a friend out of it as well as what could have been a potential co-founder. But if you have those tough conversations in the beginning, the same as when you meet a guy and y'all decide you might want to get married one day, you got to talk about money. Absolutely. <laughs> you got to talk, about... talk about that prenup right up, right up front. <laughs> yes. Unless he's richer than you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and just put on more lip gloss and be cuter. Hilarious. <laughs> and batch your eyelashes, but... Exactly. Yeah. So I think <laughs> we should have uh, attacked some of the hard questions and getting agreements in place up front. So... Nicole, you really have a heart of gold. Mm -hmm. And I, I just see and feel that through the universe. You have a heart of gold. And the fact that you wanted to bring a good friend along for the ride, you've had two successful exits. You are, without question, a successful entrepreneur, period. You are self-made, self-made. And that is very hard to achieve. It is. It's not like it's been a picnic. You've suffered loss, deep and real and meaningful loss in your family multiple times over. And you are a self-made, two-time successful exit entrepreneur. I want you to hear that because that is not easy. And that is brilliance. That is your ingenuity. That is your just grit and all the things. You did that. So the fact that you opened your heart to bring in a friend along for the third ride is beautiful. So I just wanted to stop and acknowledge that because I know it was really rough and we're not going to like go into the weeds on that because it's just not what we're here to do. I know it was rough and I know that you lost a friend over it, which is actually the worst part. Yeah, worse so than the money, worse than the fighting. You lost your really close friend. And I just wanted to acknowledge you and say, you're a beautiful person. And it was just, you had such beautiful intentions and I'm sorry it didn't work out. I did. And I think I spent most of the beginning phases of my happy flow grieving because like this, this thing is taking off and I'm doing all the jobs right <laughs> at this yeah. point. And, you know, our customers didn't know what was going on behind the scenes, but I'm, I'm keeping the business going. The, the customer service, the social media, the community <laughs> platforms. And I just, I grieved for most of last year while we, while this business was taken off because I had a different view of what this would look like. And it was me and someone else along for this ride. So yeah, yeah. you were sharing the dream yeah. with your friend. And I love how you said you romanticized it because I, totally understand that and relate to it on so many levels. And it is a grieving process. It is a yeah, genuine yeah. grieving process. A co-founder relationship is truly a marriage. Absolutely. It is a marriage. Yeah. And when that marriage dissolves, and especially if it's a bit acrimonious and there's 
fighting over money and things like that. You are not a like a fighter type <laughs> person, meaning like you're not looking to start beef. It was just unequitable. Like you put up all the money. Again, we're not going to go there, but the grieving process is real. And I really want you to know that I understand where you're coming from. So that's why I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. Do you really want a co-founder? Because uh, that it's just a lot. It is a lot, and it would be... And I wore this t-shirt for you. What is it called? Not going to... It says, You're not going to take, take that on. <laughs> I'm not going to take, not that, gonna on. take that on. Not going to take that on. Are we going to take it on? I don't know No, not at all. I think just with a really great, again, COO, I'll be fine, and then eventually a CMO, because I do want to focus on community building and being hands-on with my... I was just on the phone with one of our customers earlier today. Like, I'm just that hands-on. I'm so super passionate about women's health and there's a lot of education that's going to be involved in this platform. So we're not just pushing a supplement. We're educating women on their menstrual cycle. We're educating them on their hormones and how it plays a role in their menstrual cycle as well as may increase their risk of fibroids, breast cancer, PCOS. So there's so much education we have to do as a brand. And I need someone that can come in and just hit the ground running operational-wise, why I can still shine as a visionary. I totally get it. When I think about what I love doing most at iPhone Women, it's this. It's talking to our customers, it's coaching, and being part of the community. If I could do that all day long, every day, that's like my dream job. And thinking of new products and new ways that women can get funding. And, you know, working with our product team and our engineers to bring those visions to life from a product perspective. In order to bring on a COO, I think what we need to think about, and this is sort of a little bit of a wrap up. So here's what we figured out. Nicole, you keep me honest. Okay. You don't need a co-founder. I don't need a co-founder. We don't want a co-founder. Maybe we do. I'm seeing a, a question mark. Oh no, you'll okay. be seeing a question mark. That's okay. I'll say because my sister has put in equity recently. And I'm like, does oh. that make her a co-founder or does that just make her a investor into the business? And she, oh, she helps well, this with is a good lot. intel. <laughs> yeah, my sister came to the rescue. <laughs> Amazing. She recently took out a loan to support the business. And she put up some of her own money because she believes in it so much. So she sees me in the weeds every day. Wow, we really should have given a bigger shout out to your sister. <laughs> Okay, so your sister is an absolute investor, no question about it, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that is wonderful. Even more, do not have a sibling be a co-founder. Can you imagine? (laughs) Because co-founder relationships are so hard. Hard, and I want my sister. I don't want any. Don't want to be a friend or a family member. Sister, if you lose that person, yes, that's devastating. Sister, you lost a best friend. Yes. If you're listening to this, I love you too much to lose you. You have been a blessing in my life, especially during this time. (laughs) I do not want us to get into it over co-founder-ish and money and things. I love you too much. But at least she gets to have equity in the business. And if we ever had an exit, she would be compensated so properly as well. So... That's beautiful. That's the beauty of investors. So Shira is an early investor, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And we need these early angel investors 
to help us get going, right? Before we've raised our proper seed round. Absolutely. So Shira, thank you so much. <laughs> you are such an amazing sister. And yeah, just because someone invests in your company does definitely doesn't make them a co-founder. A co-founder is in the weeds day to day, working just as hard as you are towards the common goal. And those relationships, even the best of relationships are fraught with emotion and it's just so hard. And most of us end up grieving those relationships and it's devastating. So you don't wanna have that with Shira. You want her to be your sister forever and ever, which she's going to be. She's an amazing angel investor. And yes, when you exit for a billion dollars to P&G or Unilever or J&J, yeah. Shira's going to be hella rich. Absolutely. So hallelujah. <laughs> and if she wants to like help out, if she's like, if her zone of genius is something cool and she wants to like help out here and they're awesome. Yeah. But don't make a friend or a family member a co-founder. Like yeah. that's like the kiss of death. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. So I guess I'll check in with you one more time. And I think it's, it's interesting because listeners, you can't see Nicole, but when I <laughs> was looking for the cosign of like, okay, we don't want a co-founder, right? And she paused, that's perfectly okay because this is all kind of new and people need time to process. And maybe you just need time to process no, the co-founder thing. I mean, I don't want a co-founder unless they're in the weeds with me. Like they have the same mission and passion and they're in this thing with me. So. Yeah, I, I guess I want a COO. That's what I want. Yes, you want a COO, and it doesn't have to be a co-founder. You will give equity to this person, yeah, for absolutely. sure. So C-level people that come in to an already successful business that, by the way, you started, you created, it was your idea, it was your startup capital, your money that went into it. No one can come in and be an equal to you. It just can't happen. Mm -hmm. So you're either going to bring in co-founders that have like a point or two points of equity and they're not going to be like excited about that. And then it's just going to be another shit show. <laughs> I've seen that movie before. I know how it ends very personally. Or you say to hell with that. I'm going to actually bring in a chief operating officer when I can afford it. And that's the other thing. We have to think about the finances around these things because these people are not inexpensive. That being said, you get what you pay for. So a lot of times... At the beginning of our journeys, when we are thinking about our senior leadership team and the C-suite that we want, we want a COO, we want a CFO. You don't need a CMO. You're the creative genius. Like you're the marketer. Like you may need marketing people to do the things, but you don't need a CMO. So if we think about a CFO and a COO, or in a lot of cases, the COO also acts as the CFO, there's a slash and that's very natural. That's not like a shoehorn kind of thing. That's a supernatural thing. Maybe that's actually where we should aim towards mm -hmm. a COO slash CFO. Very typical when you think about that. And then a lot of early stage founders are like, well, I can't afford somebody for 150 grand a year, but I can afford somebody for like 75 grand a year. And I'm going to just get a director of operations or an operations mm -hmm. manager, mm -hmm. somebody that's more junior, mm -hmm. maybe hasn't brought a company to exit. You get what you pay for. I would say don't do that. Try to find someone who has exited a D2C brand before or has worked at a D2C brand in a senior level operations and or finance position that that company has sold. Somebody that's been there, done that with a previous company mm -hmm. in your space 
you want to find that person, that operator, finance person who can be that grown up, be that C-suite person that you are also taking with you to raise your round of capital, who is leading the operations around the finance raise, right? So that's like, I think what we're looking for, guys. So I guess the question is, well, I guess you just answered it because do you look for that person before you raise or you get that person in after you raise the money? Ideally, you bring that person in now Mm -hmm. and that person is your right-hand person. You are raising the money with this person. They are in the meetings. They are pitching with you because it just lends so much more credibility and you will get funded faster. So if you can imagine you and the operator finance version of you going into these meetings, it's going to be close, 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 close. Versus not to say that you can't close. Right. It's just you have a skill set. Yeah. And VCs are betting on the founding team. Doesn't mean they have to be a co-founder, but it means they need to be in the room where it happens. Mm-hmm. Right? They need to be in that room with you. You are going to be so much more successful in your fundraise if you have your chief operating officer slash CFO in there with you being like, okay, Nicole just brought you through the vision, the mission, the why, her story, and she's built this thing to be a multi-six-figure business in the span of nine months. Freaking amazing, which by the way, it is. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to scale. This is what these VCs want to hear. So in my opinion, you want that person now. And there are also, I'll leave you with this sort of final thought of there are people out there, it doesn't have to be a woman. It could be a man or a woman. That's the other thing. Like open up your aperture to what this person could look like, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And obviously you have to really love this person. You have to meet the person and really spend time together. It can't be like you meet them on angel list and you hire the person to be your COO. You have to really spend time and work with this person and know that you are taking or plucking them from or have sourced them from, again, another D to C wellness brand that's gone the distance. That's what you want. So it's like about doing the research of who these people are. Some of those people might already be wealthy mm-hmm. and may want to take more equity versus a higher salary. Mm-hmm. So that's another way to look at it. So it might correct in assuming that you and your sister own the company. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So that means that you actually have room on the cap table to give your new COO slash CFO a good couple of points of the company. 2% of the company is a big chunk of the company. Let's say you're valued at 5 million now. You're giving someone 2% of the company, Mm -hmm. which is a lot Mm -hmm. as a chief operating officer, Mm -hmm. but they're worth it because they're the unicorn you're looking for. Let's say you exit for 100 million. That 2% is worth $2 million. It's a pretty damn good package. So for people who are listening, what is the average number of giving percent to giving your early employees when it's equity? Yeah, it depends on the level. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about a C-level person mm-hmm. in the earliest stages, now we're talking about the earliest stages of your business, but we're talking about a C-level person that has been there, done that with experience, a grown-up. You're not talking about, we're not in our 20s. 
where we're like bringing our buddy in to be COO who has never been operator before. And, you know, we're giving them five or 10% because we don't know what the fuck we're doing. We know what we're doing. So for your business, Nicole, and for the traction you have and the success that you've had, you're bringing in an adult who has been there, done that, who has exited before, who has scaled a company, a D2C company. We're going to find this person and you're going to give them two to 3% of the company. And by the way, vests over four years. So it's not like they're getting it off the bat. Mm-hmm. They've got to stick it out with you mm-hmm. for four years. And their vesting doesn't start until after year one. And you can decide the vesting schedule, but vesting mm-hmm. for people that don't know is you give somebody a percentage of the company. And typically what happens is after the first year, 25% of that grant vests. It's hard. And these are the things that we need to know. So basically you would give the person between two and 3% C-level, been there, done that adult that you know can get you to the promised land. Not some kid, not some inexperienced person, this great person. You're going to give them two to 3%. And hopefully they can be more flexible on the salary because that's really what's going to put the pain in the balance sheet is mm-hmm. these huge salaries yeah, at this early stage. So if you can find somebody that's already exited or already kind of has their nest egg settled and they're on the ride with you to glory and they're really more interested in the upside of the of the exit. Dollar Shave Club exited for a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're talking about here. Those are the numbers that we're looking at. Billy's Razors, I think, was like 500 million. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I just used 100 million for math purposes. Yeah. So if it's a billion dollars, that 2% is 20 million. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. Forget the co-founder thing. You want a COO. But Empower really- them with equity. Have them run the business. Have them be your partner in crime on your fundraise. That's what you got to do. Well, I have just a really quick question because I know most people that are going to watch this, especially if they follow me, they will want to know if I did bring in a co-founder, what percent would make sense? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, again, I would say... If you bring in a co-founder, what is their job going to be? Well, maybe they, because I would bring in someone that actually was good at what I'm weak at. So I guess the COO would be the co-founder. That would be their job, like operations. So I love that you asked that question. You don't need to bring them in as a co-founder. Yeah, I'm just, okay, so going you back to, I mean? you don't so how about to. this? It's just a title. So going it's a back title to that the, causes a lot of drama. Absolutely. So going back to the beginning stages, when I tried to bring in a co-founder, what should that percent have looked like? I think it's the reframing of the question. That, that's where I'm yep. getting at. <laughs> yes. And the mistake that all of us mm-hmm. have made mm-hmm. was valuing the co-founder title mm-hmm. over the expertise. Absolutely. And so a co-founder is truly a title. Mm-hmm. It's what is their job at the company? What's their role? And how are they getting you to the promised land? Which okay. is why I said, like, if you're a tech company, you 1 million percent need a technical co-founder. Mm-hmm. A, because they're going to be making the donuts. Mm-hmm. They're going to be coding. Yeah. And B, because they are going to help you raise exponentially more money because they give you street cred on the tech side. Mm-hmm. So it's so fascinating where this conversation is going. And I love these questions because we have put this co-founder title on such a pedestal. And it's a title. If these people are not doing the job to get you to the promised land, 
they're just employees at the end of the day. Yeah. They can just quit. Yeah. They, ha- they have no skin in the game. They didn't put money in. And they look at it as a job. Does that resonate? Yeah, it does. Like I just... Especially if they're being paid yeah. a salary. Yeah, absolutely. Was your co-founder originally being paid a salary or just no. had equity? No, we were both just equity. Got it. Okay. Or that's so, how we had planned it out. Like, well, what the, would this, I, I don't think we knew what we were doing. It's like, what would this look like? Oh, well, we can do this percent and this percent. And yeah, we had no idea what we were doing. And that's okay. And that's and why these true. podcasts are are important. That's why iPhone Women Coaching is important. Thank you. I mean, the truth is, I didn't know what I was doing. And now I do. Yeah, absolutely. And you now do. So to answer that question... We can't answer that question yeah, because for sure. the person didn't have a specific expertise. And if you were paying them a salary, as well as giving them the co-founder title and equity, you have to sort of look at all of those pieces mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. order to make a real decision on what they should get from an equity perspective. So that's why I'm saying like, bring on a COO. Don't even worry about the co-founder mumbo jumbo. It's so much more trouble than it's worth. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you just want people who can get it done and bring you to the promised land and get your product in the hands of as many women as as possible possible. because that's what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. I'm blessed to be able to help so many women in so many ways. And yeah, I'm excited. Yay. Nicole, thanks for coming on the show. I always love talking to you. Thank you for having me. And Everybody needs to go to My Happy Flow. Just tell everybody yes. where they can find you and buy the product. Yes. So we are My Happy Flow, and flow is spelled F-L-O. So myhappyflow.co. Not and com, you are but co. My Happy Flow on, all the, on the ground. Yeah, we're like, on My Happy Flow them. across social media platforms. Well, myhappyflow.co. We were about to be My Happy Flow on Instagram because I just got my trademark about two or three weeks ago. And so you can go after you can go after the people that have snatched up your handle before you came on the scene once you have that trademark document. So my happy flow on Twitter, but myhappyflow.co on Instagram. Please follow us, come to the website, show your support, and say goodbye to painful, annoying, disruptive periods. <laughs> Mic drop. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, say goodbye to harmful periods or gentlemen that listen to this. I think there's like three of you. Mm-hmm. Get my happy flow for your girlfriend. Absolutely. Or your wife. There's men that buy it for their girlfriends and it makes my heart flutter. They're like, I don't oh. want to see her in pain anymore. So I love it. I love it too. Nicole, you're a gem. I can't wait to see you again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And we will see y'all next time. Peace. <laughs>